If you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, that's what we're going to be going through today. Uh, I haven't taught in a long time. I used to teach, not frequently, but enough to be like practice. Not so much. So this may be interesting. We'll find out. Uh, let's read real quick, and then we'll get into it. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling, or of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Skip to verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure, excuse me, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ." From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. If you don't mind, I'll pray again one more time. Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that your word is, uh, is true and it brings us hope and encouragement, God, and also it tells us how to live. I pray that today we would just learn more about uh, living with you and living with others. And that your Holy Spirit would go forth in power, God. We thank you in your name. Amen. So um, when you get like this kind of opportunity, it's like your choice, right? No one told me what to do, which could be scary also. But they just said, hey, you know, just teach. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. What do I want to teach on? Um, and recently I've had some friends of mine who have been like, well, I don't go to church because I don't like this or I don't like that. Or um, I, just, I do better in like a small group setting. Or like I have church in the woods. I commune with nature, and obviously I'm not like the nature guy, you know, maybe if, I'm not going to say that, <laughs> but I like fishing, I like going out and being nature, but I'm not like that guy who's like, hey, give me a backpack, a loincloth, and a bowie knife, and I'm going to survive forever, you know, or I, I'm not that guy, so um, anyways, like, I just, I've never understood that statement, I mean, I love church, I love coming here Sunday mornings, I love doing the, the kids' uh, Bible story, like that's like my most fun I have every week is when I get to do that because kids love it, I love it, I get to get super crazy and sweat and have a ton of fun. So I think it's great, right? I love church. Uh, but I know not everybody does. A lot of people look at it and they're just like, why do I have to be here? This is boring. I mean, when you look for churches, you church shop, right? And you're like, well, I don't like that pastor. Or, this worship team is lame. Or this one guy walked up to me and gave me a hug and I don't like to be hugged. Or, you know, I don't know. Uh, Oh, this guy, we were worshiping, and this lady in front of me put her hands up. I couldn't see the words, and I just got angry, and I left. You know, and it's like, wow, man. I mean, <laughs> so there's all, like, obviously there's all kinds of reasons, like, why we, like, people don't like church. But I was just, I wanted to know, and I wanted to encourage people this morning, like, hey, we should be coming to this. This is a big deal. 
Um, and I had some reasons for that, like in my head that I've always kind of gone to, like everyone has, like, I think they have things where it's like, this is what I know, this is what I believe, and I can stand behind that, and I'll tell everybody that. So I have some reasons for that, um, and I'll get to those, but I think it's important that I wanted to look at this because if, if we have a, a misconception about what church is supposed to be, it's going to influence how we interact with that, right? Um, I'm a police officer. I know I was ta- I've been up here a few times, like, saying who I am. Apparently, I'm forgetful, um, a, forgetful pro- for a forgetful type of person because I swear I've told, like, my story, like, three times. But um, I'm a police officer, and... Uh, like, part of my job is, like, writing tickets, right? I don't like to write tickets. I do because it's part of my job, but I don't enjoy it. They're expensive, right? Like, no one likes to get a ticket. No one likes to get the invitation to court. It's not fun. Um, but that's part of my job. Another part of my job is, like, to arrest people, uh, particularly for, like, warrant arrests. So if it's a warrant arrest versus, like, a speeding ticket, like, let's say if you're speeding, I feel like I'm getting these, like, daggers right now. <laughs> Everyone has this real visceral reaction to speeding, don't you? Like cops and tickets, it's like, ah, I hate you. It's okay, though. Like, I get it, because I hate it, too. When I get pulled over, I'm like, oh, get so mad. I'm like, just leave me alone. Just give me a break. I'm a nice guy. Um, but I have a choice. I don't have to give you that ticket, right? Has it, hopefully, everyone's received a warning one time. If you've been pulled over, and the guy's like, hey, I'm going to give you a warning today. Just slow down or use your turn signal. Don't run the stop sign. You're going to hit a kid, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but we have a choice. Like, we have a, a choice. We can make that decision, right? Um, versus, like, a warrant arrest is, like, the court issues uh, uh, an order saying that as a police officer, I have to, I shall make that arrest. So if anyone in this room has a warrant right now, technically, by law, I have to arrest you, regardless of whether or not we're buddies and we want to hug and go hang out and eat lunch after church. Like, you're still getting arrested. I don't have a choice. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> that being said, um, my knowledge of, like, those outcomes governs like how I, I react as a police officer, right? Like if I go into a traffic stop, I know I have to make a decision. I have to choose what I'm going to do. But if it's like I know I'm going to a warrant arrest, it's like I know I'm just going there to arrest you. I don't care what you say or what you do. Like my choice is done. So I think like in the same way that my knowledge of those things inter- governs how I interact with people and how I go to a call and do something, I think church is the same way. And if we don't have the proper understanding of what church is supposed to be, then when we come here on Sundays or when you go to your home groups or your Bible studies or when you're interacting with your friends, like if if we don't have the right idea about that, then you're not going to do it correctly. And we're just going to become those kind of like finger pointers who say, well, church is lame because. And we're always going to have that excuse. So hopefully this morning I'll be able to wipe some of those away. We'll see. So I started um, with my preconception I said earlier, right? Like, I believe this about church and my best reason, like, this was like my go-to. Like, this was so perfect, man. I loved it. Is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Uh, you can turn there if you want. If you don't, I'm just going to read it. So, um, and I apologize. I'm not one of those guys who's like super good about doing like pictures and stuff because I usually don't finish till like the night before. And that does not leave enough time. So you're going to have to work with me today. And you're going to have to open up the Bible if you have it and uh, look and follow along. So in Hebrews 10, 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see that day draw near. Right? So it's like, hey, don't neglect getting together. That's important. Don't do it like some guys do, like that's bad. But we need to be getting together. But then as I started to study that, it was like, well, I mean, that kind of works, but it's kind of talking about not, not necessarily like a, a, a huge church gathering, but 
from what I kind of gathered as I read about it and did some research on it, was that it's almost more of like, as long as you're gathering together with like people, no number to that amount of people, like you're kind of good. And so I was kind of like, man, that stinks. I mean, I'm 36 years old. For like 16 years, I've been like, this is the verse. I'm good to go. And now I'm like, well, maybe not. Maybe you can just do like your nature thing and go, hang, you know, go, I don't know. I don't even know what people do in nature like that, but your nature thing, you know, or, you know, you can do like your small group Bible study or, or you can do whatever that thing is. You know, you can get together with your friends every Wednesday night and eat dinner and barbecue and drink beers and talk about God. And it's like, dude, you're good. You're gathering. That's all you need to do. Because I take the word of God seriously, right? So if it tells me that I have to gather, I have to gather for sure. But now I'm like, well, maybe I don't need to do this. Like maybe Sunday morning isn't important. I'm like, that's a total bummer because I don't believe that. What am I going to do with that? And so then I thought, well, you know, it says the word church in the Bible a lot, right? Like, look around for a minute. It's used 115 times in the New Testament, the word church. The majority of those times are the Greek word. I don't speak Greek, but this is how they said to pronounce it. Ekklesia. Ken's talked about it. And that word means gathering. I'm like, come on. You're not helping me. Like, God, I thought we had, like, this deal. Like, church is important. But even the word church in the New Testament means gathering, right? So when you look at these verses, you know, like when Paul says to the church of X, it's kind of like to that group of believers there, to the church in this area, to the group of believers in this area. And so I'm kind of going, man, this is getting worse and worse for me. You know, like I'm still, I'm losing the battle. And if you look online, <laughs> it gets even worse. It does. Like there's all these, like I just looked up, I'm like, hey, what does the word church mean? Because obviously I don't know. So I'm looking it up online, just, you know, Google's great. And it's like, well, churches, this is the wrong meaning. It has its foundation in this Greek, like Constantine, worship the Greek god Mithras, and he, he met on Sundays, and it was like the Lord's house. That's what they call it. That's what the Greek root of the word church is. So it was actually about, like, demonic worship. And I'm like, whoa, time out. <laughs> this is getting worse. Like, God, I thought we were supposed to do something good this morning. Not working. So I was, I was floundering for sure, because I was like, this isn't working. Bad, real bad. Uh, and then I got to Ephesians chapter 4, and it started to get a little clearer for me um, for several reasons. But I got to Ephesians chapter 4, and I started reading about what Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus, gathering. I don't know if there's someone out there who's like, you just used the wrong word, but the disclaimer is, I'm going to use church in place of gathering for the rest of the day. Okay, I know what it means, you know what it means, we're both right, let's not argue. So, church in Ephesus. <laughs> Paul begins, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, as we read earlier, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of which you have been called. And I think this was the beginning of the transformation of my mind of what church is, is that church is more than like whoever's up here doing their thing and worship and coffee and donuts, I mean, that's what church means, though. Like, we, like Sunday morning church is like, okay, I'm going to go there, and the guy's going to talk. He may talk early. He may talk late. He may talk in the middle. You know, and then there's going to be some songs, and some churches have, like, a guitar. Some people have, like, a band, you know. And some people just have a person. But there's going to be some sort of, like, singing. And then we're going to get done, and we're supposed to, like, talk to each other, right? So that's, like, the mold. Um, but I think what we're missing is that, like, before we even get to that point of what we're doing here on Sunday, God is, or Jesus Christ has given us a whole lot more to get prepared for that. 
And it begins with us understanding our calling. And, and this all has to do with the previous three chapters. Like it'd be much easier for me just to have you read those three chapters with the Lord speaking to you because that's what made it made sense to me. But since I can't do that, we're just going to try and give you the short version. So in, in the very end of chapter 3, it says, um, in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul, like, is great at building. So he's linking it all together. I was wondering, like, why would he use that verse? And it's because he's telling us that church is not just this. Church is individually about each one of us and about what Jesus Christ has done in us. And specifically, it says here that you would even be able to comprehend. And, and why would that be important? It's because you need to understand this great thing called the love of Christ. Like, we just sang about it, right? Oh, how he loves us. And I heard one guy back here, and I could, it sounded like he was, like, like crying out. Like, uh, I was trying to think of a movie that would illustrate that, but I can't. But, you know, like that, I have nothing left, and this is who God is. Like, God is a God of love, right? And so, as we look at that, it says, you need to comprehend, to know, to understand, like, how great the love of Christ is, so great that it goes over your head, surpasses knowledge that you can be filled with the fullness of God. That is an essential to coming to church, right? Like, you, like, it doesn't begin here. It begins in your heart as a believer in Jesus Christ that you understand who it is you're part of, that you understand who it is that called you, that said, hey, uh, my wife's there, so I'm going to use her, Emily. I want you to be with me. I want us to be one. That's where church begins, and if that's where church begins, then it says in verse 1, you need to walk in a manner worthy of that. So you need to approach your relationship with other believers in a way where you're worthy of what Jesus Christ has done for you and in you. And you need to do that with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And I think that honestly is where we feel the most as Christians when it comes to church, is that we could care less about unity as much as we care about ourselves. And this may be just me talking, okay? So I'm not trying to, like, put words in your mouth because there's probably, obviously someone's going to be like, I'm not like that. Fine, you're not like that. I am. So you give me. And uh, it's like we, we spend so much time, like, coming prepared to, like, find out how everything that's given to us is going to go that we're not even considering, like, what's, in, what's going on with us and what we're supposed to be here to do. I think I'm repeating myself, but it's okay. Um, when we're supposed to be focused on, you know, it says eager. Like we should come to church like ready to work with other people to do something great instead of trying to figure out what someone else is doing wrong or figuring out like how annoyed we are with other people or how we don't like this. Um, and that doesn't really work. Like if you really love Jesus Christ and Jesus' love is in you, I mean, how much time did Jesus just walk around going, I don't really like this. I can't really do anything about this. I'm just going to leave. You know what I mean? Even with the temple, like, Jesus didn't like what was going on with the temple. And what did he do? He went up there and, like, started throwing tables around and whipping stuff. Like, get out, you know? It wasn't really like that. I'm sorry. So I'm from Southern California. Like, I know, like, 
I have a little bit of culture in me, just a little. So I may act a little strange sometimes, but that's okay. So, like, you know, he's, like, throwing things and whips, and it's like, get out of here. You guys are horrible. You're doing the wrong things. And he, he got mad about it. But he didn't just walk away and leave. He didn't go to the temple, and he wasn't like, hey, money changers, huh? How about that? All right, see you later. You know, he wasn't like, oh, Pharisees, you guys are being idiots. I really don't like that. Gosh. I'm going to cruise on down the road to, you know, I don't know, Egypt. Check out what they got going down there. Because this right here ain't no good. You know, like Jesus, he didn't do that, right? He engaged. He's like, I don't like this. I don't like the way it is. This needs to change. But I need to be part of that change. I'm going to drive that change, and I'm going to show you what it's supposed to be like. Not just walk away. He continues in verse chapter or verse four. There was one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father. John seventeen twenty one says that they all may be one. This is Jesus talking, uh, or his like longest recorded prayer in the Bible. It's one of my favorite chapters. Um, Jesus is praying to God, and he says that they. Disciples, believers may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So like Jesus is saying, hey, we're all, like all, all encompassing. All of us are supposed to be together in this thing and we're all supposed to be one just like he's one. And that's how we look at the life of Jesus. We see him like there were tough things, right? Like, the disciples weren't the brightest group of guys. They're a lot like me, dude. You know, it's like they're out there. Jesus is like doing amazing things. And he's like, hey, feed my sheep. You know, feed the people. They're like, uh, yo, God, Jesus, buddy. Hey, there's not enough food for these people. We don't got no money. And we're going to have to work a whole lot harder to get it. That's the paraphrase version. <laughs> and, and Jesus is like, really? Just call the people over here. Let's pray. You know what I mean? He was like a problem solver. And that's who we belong to. Not only but that, he was uber patient, right? Uber patient. Uber is a good word. It's like a lot. So as we look at Christ, we see all these wonderful attributes, and we're supposed to be like in that. Like we're supposed to be like, this is going to sound bad, but like team God. Like, hey, yay, team God. We're all on the same team. We got the same coach. We got the same training. We got the same ability because the Holy Spirit's in us, right? It says we have one spirit. Same spirit, all the same. We have one hope, right? One hope, one hope, our salvation. All of us, that's the one thing that can never be taken away, that can never be changed. No matter how bad your day is, we're always going to heaven. And I know that, like, for some, that doesn't work real well because you're really struggling. Um, I'm a real black and white guy, so, like, for me, I'm like, great, I'm going to heaven, deal. Good day. Let's keep going. But that's because, like, my dad was like that. My dad was like, you don't, like, man, he was crazy. And he was a super hard-working guy. I love my father. He's an amazing man. But, he, like, that's how he raised us. That's not so hard for me, in a sense. But for a lot of people, that's tough. That's, like, the one thing, though. We all have that. You can't take it away. You, no one's ever going to rob you of that. No matter how bad your day gets, it's still there. And we have that. We have one hope. Not several, but one. We have one Lord. One God. One Lord. It says in uh, this Bible commentator, commentary by the last name of Strauss, says when each individual Christian acknowledges Jesus Christ as, as his sovereign head, 
there can be no schism in the church. So he took it to that level. If we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the head of this thing, like we're never, we can't go any other direction. This is all we got. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And I, I think like, I mean, seven times Jesus or, or Paul here takes to like make it abundantly clear. Like we're one with God. And not just you individually. Like you don't get to be the special person. Like, you know, my kids, I got three children on birthdays. It's their special day. They get to do whatever they want. What do you want for breakfast? Whatever you want. What do you want for lunch? Whatever you want. Where do you want to go for dinner? Wherever you want to go. I don't care if I can't pay for it. We're going. We'll find a way. It's all good. Let's, let's do this. You know, it is your day. Birthday. You're one. And I think, like, our life in church should be similar to that in the sense that it's like every day for us is that because Christ is with us. Same God. Same thing. And, and Paul's making it abundantly clear. We're supposed to be one in him. But grace was given each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led the host of captives. He led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. So, although we are one, right, we got issues. Everybody's different. Everyone has their own way of doing things. So we're not always going to get along, right? And not all of us are super smart. I'll be the first to say I'm not, okay? But God knew that. Christ knew that. And so he says, hey, I'm going to cut you a sweet deal. Bam, I'm going to give you some gifts, we're going to make this even easier. I mean, like, does it ever blow your mind when you think about God? Like, when he's up there in heaven, he's like, you know what? I'm going to create humanity. I'm going to start with Adam and Eve, and they're going to mess it up. That's okay. I'm going to give them all kinds of help. Like, this is going to be the best thing ever. It's going to be like the test you don't even have to study for. He's like, test? What test? All the answers. What? You know, God's out there like, bam, my guy's like, I got you. Don't worry. Don't be Don't be nervous. Yeah, it's okay. I'm going to help you out. And it blows, like sometimes it just blows, it really does blow my mind that we sit here and we freak out about so much when God is like, I kind of gave you the answer already. But you're like, I can't see it. You know, I'm not like knocking us for doing that because that's part of experience. But I'm just going, man, God has made it so clear. And he says, hey, grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So if you know how big the gift is, just think about how much grace is going to be. Huge. Uber great. Right? And he says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. I'm going to skip the whole, like, discussion as to what that means because that would take a long time. And we don't have time for that. I'm, like, looking at my clock. i got to get moving. So what we're going to focus on is that Christ, knowing that we were supposed to work together, knowing that we were supposed to be, like, one with him, one. He's like, hey, I know they're going to mess it up. That's just human nature, right? Sin nature, we're messed up. He says, I'm going to give them gifts. And I'm going to give them something to help them become unified. Verse, uh, let's see here, verse 11. What does he give us? He gave us, and he says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So we have the apostles, right? So if you talk about a building, I, I was a builder for a little bit, and all I did was the end part, so I'm not like a great builder. But I did work in that industry for a while. I know that you have to start with the foundation. It's pretty obvious. 
right? Christ is our foundation. Then he gave us the apostles, right? And he's like, if that's not enough, I'll give you prophets. Bam! And then he's like, hey, I got even more than that. There's evangelists. There's going to be people out there who are really, really good about going out and talking, sharing the gospel in like large groups and, and bringing people to Jesus. And then I'm going to give you pastors and teachers who can teach you and help you, but there's a reason for that. So I'm giving you all these gifts, right? Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. I'm not going to read it because it's long, and I mumble sometimes, and I might mess it up. So I'm just going to read the first verse. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one, so it is with Christ. And then remember it says, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists, some who have, speak, have a gift of prophecy, some the gifts of tongues. Like there's all, it's this huge long list. I, I beg you, like read that list and just see all these different things that Christ is giving us in the body to do. Giving each person a specific role, a specific thing that they're good at, right? And he says, I'm giving you all these gifts for a reason though. Like I'm not just giving them so you can like sit in your bedroom or hang out with your buddy and, like, play Nintendo. Like, dude, this is great. I have the gift of prophecy. I know what to do. You know, it's not like that. It's not like you're going to get the ultimate gamer's secret guide to how to pass this game. That's not what it's talking about. And most of you guys are like, you're 36, Wells. You should be over that. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. But we were given a gift. And these gifts, and Christ says, he gives us all these things. Paul says, look, hey, guys in Ephesus, church there. He's giving you all these things for a reason. It's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. So there's a specific reason, right? And it's interesting that he doesn't say, um, I'm going to give these gifts only to one person so on Sunday they could give it to you and then you get a chance to tell them how much they stink. You know, or how great they are. It doesn't say, you know, I'm going to give these gifts to like a very small percentage so that all of us sheep can follow that guy. It's not like that kind of a relationship. It's supposed to be like all of us get a gift. It's like the best birthday ever, except for we're all included. We all get a gift, and we all have a reason and a purpose to use that gift. And it's supposed to be so that we equip each other for the building up of the body. Like we're supposed to keep doing this and keep building and keep helping each other until, and it says that in a minute, but it, until. But this is, that's an active thing, right? Like that's not something that stops like right now today. That means that right now, wherever you're sitting, whoever you are, you have a job. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have a job. I don't care if you're like a cop and no one likes police, dude, it's okay. Kids love police because we got lights and sirens and guns and fast cars. But most people are like, I don't like you. But that's okay. Look at me. I'm up here teaching right now. It's hilarious, right? <laughs> you guys aren't going to believe what happened to me last week. Man, this cop. Right Anyways. Uh, but it's like I have a job. I have a set of a skill set that's supposed to be used. And this isn't, I mean, how often do I teach, right? Like once in a blue moon. So obviously this isn't like the only thing I can do. But I'm doing whatever I can. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm just saying, like, it's not enough when we start talking about church to just sit in a chair and think you're doing it right. It's, that's, it's not enough. It's not possible. Like, that doesn't work in the equation. What have we heard yet today from the Scripture? Not what I'm saying. 
But just what I've read that says, hey, if I come here, I'm doing church, right? Like I got these nice plus chairs. They got coffee out there that's pretty good. You know, I get to hang out with some friends. That's church. I haven't heard one thing from Scripture that says that is church. Nothing. Rather, I've heard a lot about how close I'm supposed to be to Christ and how we're supposed to be working together in the building up of some kind of great deal. So I've heard a lot about, like, togetherness. And, <laughs> sorry, when I said that, I was like, kumbaya. I was like, togetherness. But, you know, I heard, like, I'm hearing a lot about that. I'm hearing a lot about us, like, working together us, uh, towards a common goal, uh, like looking to the person next to you and helping that person, not criticizing. That's hard. Uh, that's really hard. Because everyone knows you've walked away from church and like, what was that? Like, what? Where did that come from? Because that was scary. Like, everybody's done that. And I'm not, I, I've done it. You know, I didn't like this. Because we're missing the point. Like, we've been conditioned through years to think that we're supposed to come here and sit in our chair and be like, I'm in. Okay, I'm good. Let's go. I'm done. Woo. That was great. High five, you know. And it's like, oh, and then maybe once in a while you get a midweekend. Woo, two days. Yes. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But nothing in Scripture says that. Like, that's never. And I think that's why you look up church on the, I typed in the word church, one word. Google search. Images. You know what comes up? Church buildings. And not like school buildings, like cathedrals. And I was like, man, those are really pretty buildings. Interesting. I don't know, though, that if Christ was like thinking about the church, if he was like sitting there, you know, uh, eating falafels and whatnot, thinking like, dude, cucumbers, this is great. I love falafels, okay? So don't for a minute think I'm like trying to be rude, because I love them. And if those were around, it was a good thing. But he's sitting there eating the bread, you know, I don't know, this is probably a bad joke, but you think he's like picturing like, man, I just can't wait, you know, oh, gosh, disciples are around me, I'm getting ready. Yes, 2,000 years, there's going to be all these cool buildings, and people are going to be coming, and man, this is going to be great. I just don't think that that was his picture. I don't think if Christ did a Google search that he'd want to see that. I think he'd much rather see like people. Because that's it. Best thing I've ever heard is when I was in junior, I was a junior high pastor for a while, a long time ago. And this guy comes, and I don't know about like you guys, but if you've ever done junior high, high school ministry, it's like semi-tough sometimes. Sometimes it's really good, depending on who your kids are. And we had this group of kids that were just like, they had grown up in the church, not, not, not a bad thing. But they just were just like, I know it all. And they were convinced that it was like the church, they were like the finger pointers of the church. Pastors suck, you guys suck, you just want to hold us back from having fun. And this guy got up and he said, you know what the problem is? He's like, the problem is you guys. Because you're it. You're, you are every single problem that the church has is you. And I was like, man, I never heard that before. I was like, that is a nugget. I'm taking that. And I'm using it now. It's like 17 or, or you know, 15 years later. Good deal. But that's the truth. Because we're all supposed to be it, that's what the picture is supposed to be. And the reason is, is we're working for something, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So we're supposed to be, every single one of you sitting in the chair right now, and me standing up here, 
we are all supposed to be working together to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, full like manhood, being mature, and the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. Does everybody, like, so if we were to take Jesus Christ and you were to list all his attributes, what does that mean? That means that you're supposed to have him. Right? Like that's what we're working for. Is that everyone sitting in this chair would be like the little mini-me of Jesus. Except for not small and not kind of weird looking. Like you would be the same thing. Right? Like that's, and I know it's like a poor joke, but it's like when, when Professor Evil made mini-me, and I haven't even seen the whole movie. I've just seen mini-me. You know, the little guy in whatever the Austin Powers, you know, like he's hilarious. He's this little guy. But it's like. He's like, oh, I'm going to make a clone of myself. And his clone went haywire and came out like half of them. But he took everything who he was and he made this clone. This is such a bad example, but I'm already in it, so you got to keep going. Like, he made his clone to be him. And, and like, I know it, it has nothing to do with Christianity, nothing to do with Christ, because that would be not even close. But what I'm saying is like, Christ took everything in who he was and gave us some examples to build on and said, hey, you're supposed to be it. You are supposed to be me when I'm gone. And I know we've heard that like a bazillion times. Like I've heard it, even though I'm saying it, I'm like, I know these guys have heard this before. I'm not teaching anything new or exciting. But I think we need to hear it once in a while. That every person in here is supposed to be, and like I keep saying it because as I'm saying it, I'm freaking out a little bit. Because I'm like, dude, if I'm supposed to be just like Christ, like that's a huge responsibility. Uber bid, right? I mean, think about that. Like if you were taking a mirror of Christ and said, this is all he is, now I want you to step in, zoop, and be him. Like, damn, I'm not doing too good a job. But that's what we're supposed to work for, right? So we know that we're not there yet. And quite honestly, we probably won't be there until we get to heaven. Because we're, we're like, we're working all the time. I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. So we're working towards heaven to become this great deal for a reason. Verses 14 to 16, it says, the reason that we keep working, the reason we need unity in the church, the reason we need to be like Christ is because if we're not, this happens. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, right? That's what happens. That's what happens. Because I guarantee you, every person you ever talk to who talks about why I don't come to church will give you one really good reason. And you'd be like, wow, man, that's a good reason. I don't know what to tell you. All right. When in reality, that's why we're supposed to do so well at this. So we don't have a reason to not come here. So we don't have a reason. We, we're, not, we're not led away. We're not distracted. We're not taken away from what we're supposed to be doing, working together. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I just saw this movie, Pacific Rim. Not a bad movie. I'm not saying you should go see the theaters, but I liked it. Okay, there's these huge, gigantic robots, right? And they're huge, and they're really cool. 
They got guns and all kinds of sick stuff, right? But they got like huge arms and huge legs and like they'll get an arm blown off. Boom, the, arm, the other one's still working, punching the stuff, right? Made up of several different parts that are gigantic. I remember my favorite cartoon, Voltron. Going way back on you. Voltron, five lines. Come together, they made this huge robot. And they would, they, like, they'd run, they'd jump in the air, and they'd be like, ah, oh, hey, Voltron. And he'd be like, because they were lions, they had claws, right? And it was, it was amazing. But the point is, Voltron worked really well. Pacific Rim Giants worked really well because they were all on the same page working together. And they all knew they had a job. Like, there was a red line, a blue line, a yellow line, a black line, and a green line. If the green line was gone, they wouldn't have a leg. I mean, I don't know, if you've seen Monty Python, working with one leg doesn't work, right? You know, it's like, I can't do it. You know, like, get into a fight with one leg, see how that works out for you. But, you know, like, if the blue lion's like, nope, I'm not doing it today. I don't like you. Voltron doesn't get to go save the day. And I think the church is the same. Christ is our head. That's what it says there. And this is what I'm getting to. We're getting to the close here. But rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Literally. Christ is up top. Right? And then the rest of his body, arms, legs, torso, feet, whatnot, is supposed to be every single one of us. And we each play a different role. Now that, found, that started a long time ago, right? Back with the apostles. They were the first ones to kind of start doing this the right way. That's why we look at the early church and we're like, man, the early church is so cool if we could just get back to it. But it's like, really, why get back to it? We're still doing it. It hasn't changed. We're still it. But, like, we're supposed to be building ourselves up, and each one of us has a unique job given by Jesus Christ that you're supposed to be doing. And it specifically, it says there in the last verse, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, church happens. Okay, not coming here on Sundays, like that's all part of it to me. That's all part of the great mystery of what it's supposed to be. But when we're doing it correctly, we're all working together, we're building up, and it's like in my mind I get like this picture of like, and this is because like I love cartoons, but I just like, I close my eyes, I'm like, dude, we're just huge, right? Got big old arms and like an eight pack and packs, huge. We're like superheroes, superheroes for Christ. I know it doesn't really work, but why not? Sounds cool. I like it. But for each one of us, we have that job. And as Christians, the church, this body of believers can't function unless we're doing that. And so with all that, you know, I want to close with a couple thoughts. It's tough to get out of the thinking of church as more than just a building with uh, people who do worship and a pastor and, um, you know, ministry leaders and arts, I mean, whatever. Because that's what we've been conditioned to think. That's like our concept of church is that. It started way back when, for better or for worse, we're stuck with it now. But I think what we need to do is we need to change that about ourselves. Because church wasn't ever, like, it's just not supposed to be that. Like, read, read the New Testament. Read the Old Testament. Think about it, dude. It's just not supposed to be that way. I'm sorry. But when we say church, it shouldn't be thinking of, well, it's where I go on Sundays. Church is supposed to be all of us working together with our different special gifts. You know, like, I can't sing for nothing. I don't play instruments. I'm not artsy. That's why God has never asked me to get up here, because you'd laugh at me. 
right? Like, I don't have that gift, but some of you do. Some people are really patient. Maybe you should try kids' ministry. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, like, we're all supposed to be working together, doing this thing where we come here, and every chance we get to get together and gather, the word where the word church means, like, we're supposed to be working towards unity, to be loving on each other. So if you were to, like, really think about what the word church means, it's like, let's get together and have a love fest, the good kind. You know, where it's like we're together and we're working for one thing, to become more like Christ because ultimately that's the goal, right? The goal is not to walk away from here being like super smart and being like, like we're going to answer every question. Like that's part of that work. But the goal is to end up being just like Jesus so that people will be just like Jesus. Because there's no other way they get that. People don't learn to be just like Jesus because like we have, a, I mean, this is how we get it. But ultimately, when you go to work, when we walk out of this building, someone sees you, they, that's their chance. When they see me, that's our chance. There's no other way. And so church is supposed to be all of us doing that so that when we leave here, we look just like our head, Jesus, and it's like, dude, I want a piece of that because that is awesome. I mean, there's like 400 people there. When they get together, they genuinely like each other. That's weird. There's no way you can get 400 people to like each other because everyone has something they don't like about someone else. There was this guy when I was in church who was a close talker. I used to hate like going to church because I'd see him be like, hey, Aaron, how you doing? I'm like, gosh, dude, like just give me this much, this much. It's all I want, you know? But he was just a close talker. He used to drive me insane. But, you know, it's like I got so wrapped up in that sometimes I seriously would hide like, oh, there he is, dude. Just walk away. Act like I don't see him. He's not there. But that's the thing, like, that shouldn't be it for me. That shouldn't have been it. It was an easy distraction. When it should be about us gathering together and us being an example of who Jesus is. So I'll finish with this verse, Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. It says, and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, the gathering, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. He gave each and every one of us, including me, a purpose. We should be working together in unity to be an example of who Jesus is. And that's what church is. So when I say, like, I want people to come to church, it's because, really, we should want people to become more like Jesus, and this is where we do it. And we use Sunday as that day. We use home group as that day. I could go on for other reasons why, but that's not going to happen if you're just out there in the woods by yourself. That's not going to happen if you're like, you got your four friends and you guys get together and drink beer and, and eat burgers and talk about God. Because odds are, you're probably not going to have an apostle, an evangelist. You're not going to have all that. We're just not that fortunate. So I encourage you today, come to church with that in mind. Think about church differently. How can you give in? How can you pour into this, this institution? Because that's what it's supposed to be about. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, that if we spend time in it, it, it repays a thousandfold for that time, God. How I pray that our church would be one of unity, um, of togetherness, Lord. Father, of one that seeks to glorify your name and to live that out daily. We thank you for your love and your example, Jesus, because that makes it so much easier for us to do the same. We know what we have to attain to. And God, how we thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We praise your holy name. We just can't wait to be with you, Father, in heaven. In your name, amen.